Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we do pray this morning that You will do a miraculous work in each of our hearts this morning. Lord, cause us to hear Your Word, the truth of Your Word, and cause us to walk in obedience. Father, I pray that we will see Jesus as who He really is, that He will be glorious and beautiful and lovely to us. That we will see that we are nothing without Christ. We need Christ and in Christ... We have it all. We have You. We are satisfied and we are truly at rest and at peace. We are fulfilled. Father, I pray as we turn to Your Word that You will cause the the Scriptures to come alive for us and that we will walk in Your ways everlasting. Father, we do pray also for Pastor Kogo, Covenant Baptist Church in Nakuru, Kenya. Father, as he brings forth Your Word this morning, Cause that fellowship to rise and proclaim the good news and to herald who Jesus is, our Lord and Savior. Father, we pray that you will continue to do a good work among them, that they will be encouraged and emboldened to go forth and to bring in other sheep, and that they will be protected, and that they'll be fed. Father, we thank You for the North American Mission Board. We thank You for the great ministry. We thank You for the support that we receive through NAM. Father, we ask that You'll continue to also do a work through NAM. That You'll continue to plant churches here in North America where they need to be. That more will hear the good news of Jesus Christ. More will come to the saving knowledge of who Your Son is. We pray for the revitalization work that NAM does. That established churches will be strengthened. Those who are waning and possibly uh, don't know what the future holds and week to week, do they close the doors? Do they continue? I pray that you'll use this ministry to strengthen our sister churches throughout North America. That your gospel will be heralded. Father, we pray for the way of China. Father, over 12 million people who do not know the good news of Jesus Christ. God, 12 million souls who have a straight line toward hell. Father, I pray that that will not be the case, that You will send missionaries to the way of China. Father, I pray that You'll send brothers and sisters, maybe from this fellowship, to the way of China. They will hear the good news. And that hell will not be in their future, but your presence, worshiping with you and in rejoicing with brothers and sisters, that will be what's in store for them, Father. May it be so, we pray. God, we pray for those in our own neighborhoods, in our own community, those who think they're saved, those who do not claim to know you, those who say that you're not even real. Father, I pray that you'll do our work in our own community that more will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. May it be so. Father, we ask all this in Your Son's precious name. Amen. Last time we were together, I hope you walked away with a renewed hope because of the declaration to remember the Lord and pray. 
When you're facing opposition and there are those coming at you and discouragement begins waning on you, remember the Lord and pray. God promises when we look to Him and we pray, He will give us a committed resolve to stay at it, to stay in the Word, to stay true. What an encouragement for you and me. Remember the Lord in those times. When we trust in God's faithfulness, it gives us, God gives us a strong heart to stay at it and to continue. This is what Nehemiah and the rest of the Jews did in Jerusalem. When the city was being threatened on all sides by those who did not want to see God's work accomplished, and their enemies ridiculed them and threatened to come in unseen in the middle of the night and to destroy the people, Israel prayed to God. They set a guard and they kept on the work. Even when opposition kept coming so much that their resolve began to fade and the people began to waver and the work then seemed too big for them, they began saying, we cannot even rebuild the walls. It's too much by ourselves. There's Nehemiah. God's chosen instrument to rally the people and to remind them of God's covenantal faithfulness. Nehemiah postcards all along the wall and he says to the people, Do not be afraid. Our God is great. Our God is awesome. Now stand and fight. Nehemiah points them toward God and says, We got this. We've got it. In his book, writing about this situation in Jerusalem, J.I. Packer refers to the glorious truth that we all need to hear this morning. He's quoting someone else and he writes this, Someone once said, One with God is majority. Just you and God and you have the majority. No one else can, can come against you. No one else can overcome you. One with God is majority. The psalmist says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Those with God have no reason to fear. Those with God have no reason to be afraid. We are with God. So let's stand and fight. In the face of opposition, God shows Himself to be faithful to His people. And we're going to see more of this in our text today, that God never abandons His people. God never gives you a task and says, okay, now go on your way, go and complete it, I'll come when it's done. That's not how God does it. God never abandons His people He never expects them to stand against the enemy on their own. And He's actually the one who fights the enemy. God is actually the one who stands in and fights for His people and He protects them. He is the faithful one that we can always count on. We ended last week with this tension with the enemy surrounding Jerusalem and the Jews were ready to fight 
But we have to remember that what's going on here is bigger than that coming battle. It's bigger than the walls being rebuilt. It's bigger than Nehemiah and the status of the Jews. God is the one who has brought the Jews out of exile. He's the one calling them back into relationship with Him. He's preserving them. He's renewing them. And He's laying this foundation so that His Son can come and bring salvation to all the people. That's the end God has in mind. So this battle that's brewing is not between the Jews and Sambalit and Tobiah, the army of Samaria, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdites. That sounds like there's a lot of people coming against the Jews. But the battle's not between them. That, that multitude that's surrounding Jerusalem are really in a fight against God. This is God's fight. This is His plan that's being threatened. His resolve to save His people through the coming Messiah is in danger. But this is God. The opposition is against this mighty God. There's no one who compares to Him. No one who can come against Him and survive. So this puts a a new hope in the people of God. One with God is majority. We can be surrounded on all sides, but with God, no one compares. The faint-hearted become invigorated. The discouragement turns into the rallying cry to remember the Lord. Now let's stand and be vigilant and devoted to what God has for us. This is the same... This is the same in our own day. The building and the opposition of chapter 4, in one instance, in one essence, it continues today in the building of God's church and the obstacles that stand against it. God has not given us a task and left us on our own. This is His church. It's His kingdom that's at stake. And what's happening in Nehemiah's day is actually setting up for this day. The church is God's great masterpiece in the world, and the resistance against the advancement of God's great work is not against us. It's not against His church. It's God's plan. It's His work. Remembering that then gives us a renewed strength. And our hope is not in what we can accomplish on behalf of God. It's what God has already done and what He's declared through His Son. The cause of Christ will be fulfilled. And it's what He's including us in, in this cause of Christ. We are part of God's mission to reach others with the Gospel, to love and treasure Christ as Savior in Lord, and He will not stop until He's gathered all His people to His Son. All of us are called to participate in this. We do it His way. Just like Israel is doing it in the rebuilding of the city walls, they turned to God and He answered their prayer. The threat did not play out. Israel was troubled for nothing. God heard the prayer. The, the threat was stayed. And the people 
got back to work. And that's a lesson for us. Verse 15 says, When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plans. Let's stop right there for a second. It's God who frustrated their plans. God frustrated the enemy. He put a stop to their scheme. How many times have you and I been in a situation where it seems overwhelming to us? We're discouraged and we turn to God and you and I, we can testify that God answered our prayers. And not just individually, it's that way together in the church. What did the Jews do when God stopped the enemy? They didn't just go back to their homes and say, well, God's got this. It's his fight. We're going to go back to our homes and we're going to eat bread and, and whatever. What did the Jews do? When our enemies heard that it was known that God had frustrated their plans, we what? We all returned to the wall, each to his own work. Each to his own work. God hears, God answers, and the work continues. That's how it works. There's a threat, there's opposition. God's people see we can't do it on our own. We cry out to God, God hears us, He answers, and then the work continues. It went on unhindered. Everyone returned and had a job. Every person continued serving the Lord because God had halted the enemy. And Paul encourages us to do the same thing in 2 Timothy. He says, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work, fulfill your ministry. As for you, believer in Jesus, take God's truth seriously. Expect suffering from opposition and continue the work. That is how we continue today. And like the Jews, we pray. Our threats, those obstacles that stand against us, they cause us to turn to God and He hears us. He messes up the enemy's plan, which then renews us and we keep serving Him. We keep doing His work. You know, really, we should thank God We should thank all those obstacles and threats that come against us for causing us to turn to God and rely on His strength, not on our own. We are actually better off because of those threats against us because we then run to God. And with Him, we're safe and triumphant. With Him, we're ready for battle and we continue the work He's giving us, advancing His kingdom, making His Son known. So the illustration of chapter 4 is a lesson for you and I today. Look what's told to us in verse 17. The builders on the wall who labored with one hand and held His weapon with the other. Building and battling. Because of God. This is another picture of the Christian life. Building and battling. Last week I told you that having opposition is the Christian life. Expect 
opposition. Expect those threats to come. Today, God's Word tells us serving the Lord and preparing for battle is what we are called to do. Serving the Lord and preparing for battle is what we are called to do. Laboring on in the work and protecting that work in the face of opposition. Charles Spurgeon, that prince of preachers he's typically called, started a publication back in the 1860s. And he called it the sword and the trowel. A trowel is a tool that you use for for building. It was both a sword and a trowel that he wanted to convey. He described this this new uh, material that he put together for, for Christians. He described it as combat with sin and labor for the Lord. He wanted a resource for Christians of his day that would provide the material for working for the Lord and give ammunition for warring, battling and building with a sword and a trowel. And he got that picture of the Christian life from our text this morning here in Nehemiah. You see, if you and I are serious about our faith, I'm not talking about a Sunday-to-Sunday churchgoer. I'm talking someone who has seen Christ. He is our Savior and Lord. We are sold out to the Gospel of Jesus Christ. If you and I are serious about our faith, we need both a sword and a trowel. We need both. A tool to build, to work for the Lord, and an instrument to fight. We are engaged in a war. Every one of us today is engaged in that same war. That's why Paul tells us to take up the whole armor of God, to put it on, because the battle's already here. We need to learn to do the work that we're called to, and the work is a call to serve and to do battle. The builders on the wall were told were ready for battle. The workers were also warriors. The workers were warriors. And this principle applies to us also. We must be ready to fight the enemy as we work for the Lord. The Christian life is not a choice between war and work. It's both. As Christians, we don't get to choose, well, I'll do the work part. I'll do the building and let someone else be engaged in the battle. And that's not how it works. The Christian life is both. We are building and we're battling. We're battling and we're building. A sword and a trap. Every believer is involved in the battle. So are you prepared for it? Are you prepared for the battle that's at hand? Every believer should also be involved in the work. Are you equipped for that work? Are you prepared for battle and are you equipped for service? Don't expect that the battle is finished until our work is done. We are workers who battle. We serve and we fight. Israel trusting God to deliver them from their enemies does not lead them to relax or become passive. 
Each went back to his own work. Each went back to his place at the wall doing the Lord's work. God is sovereign. He frustrated the plans of the opposition. God is sovereign. This means that He's not only in control over everything, He has the power to do anything. His sovereignty, though, is not an excuse to sit on the sidelines. God has infinite power. I pray that you you come to realize and you understand that God has such incredible power, it goes beyond our comprehension. He made all things out of nothing. He upholds and He governs and He sustains all things in every moment, in all ages. And He never grows tired. He's never weary. Scott read earlier for us in Ephesians that God has the power to do far more abundantly than all that anyone could ever ask or think. Think of the greatest thing in this world that you could possibly ask God and that does not compare to the power that our God has. That's how He frustrated the enemies. God can do that. He did it. But notice in verse 16, we're told, from that day on, half of Israel worked and the other half was ready for battle. They did not split up into two groups and do those. They kind of like switched. Morning one, afternoon the other, and they would switch and back and forth. They did both. That's why they had it in both hands, the sword and the trowel. Because of God being who He is, He causes faith to be lived out. Remember the Lord and pray. And then God answers them and He frustrated the enemy's plans. And that increased their faith in God and said, we can do this because of God. He makes it a sure thing. He stirs up courage and His people to keep going. This rebuilding of the walls is not just a building project that they're involved in. It's a demonstration of faith in the sovereign God. They continued to serve the Lord. In verse 21, they labored at the work. They stayed at it. We, His people, dare not sit idle in His calling to work. We dare not sit back and be idle in His calling to us to do His work. Jonathan Edwards said this, It is very dangerous for God's professing people to lie still. May we be warned not to continue doubting and unbelieving concerning this work because of the extraordinary degree of it and the suddenness and swiftness of the accomplishment of the great things that pertain to it. He then said that favorable notice, the favorable notice that God will take of those who are part of the work of God will be like those who helped in the rebuilding of the wall in Jerusalem. We are workers of an awesome God who has the power to stay the hand of the enemy. 
We are part of a great work in serving the Lord. And our building project is the church. We make disciples. We teach them to obey all that God has commanded. And this building project of the church has a great master builder. Christ Himself. He is building His church. He's both the cornerstone and He's the builder of it. How does Christ build up His church? Jesus says, I am building My church. I am the cornerstone. So how does He do it? He tells us in Acts 20, verse 32, I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified through His own Word. Christ is building up the church. Our God is so great. It's His Word. When He speaks, it happens. God is building up His church in that infinite power and nothing will stop from His church being built up. It's His Word. His Word is our tool for serving the Lord. It's His Word that you learn of Christ. Through His Word, He he encourages you to live out your Christian life. It's through His Word that He emboldens you. He strengthens you to take part in the cause of Christ. So don't neglect this tool. Don't lay it aside. Keep this tool in your hand. It's in the Scriptures that God makes Himself known. It's in the Scriptures that God has made His glory the end for all that is. We see in the Scriptures that God is the Creator of the world and God is the end of it all. He designed this life so that all His attributes, all His perfections will be seen through His Word and they teach us the true supreme position and the authority of God. It's our tool. And it's in the Scriptures we learn of our great need of Him. That every desire we have is satisfied only in Him. And His Word teaches us that Jesus, His Son, is His way of giving Himself to us. And His glory is our salvation. That when we desire and we seek after God's glory in Jesus Christ, we are fulfilling our greatest and our highest ultimate aim in life. It's in His Word. Our motivation in all that we do as we seek to serve and to build, it's His name being praised. We learn that in His Word. This tool that He's given us is perfectly fitted for the work that He has for us. It's perfectly fitted for us. And we cannot complete our work without it. It's like trying to build the wall without the tools. We cannot go about serving the Lord today without the Word of God. We need to know it. We need to use it. We need to never be without it. It needs to be in our hearts. It's the only way in which we build and we serve and we do His work. In verse 22, Nehemiah rallies the people to work 
the whole day, every day until the work was completed. They worked long hours from sun up until sundown. They kept at it with a zeal until it was finished. May we have that same fire and that same passion for the Lord's work that we stay at it, working tirelessly in the Scriptures, sharing the Scriptures until God says one day to each of us, well done. Well done. We are workers of whom God leads and provides. But we're also warriors. We're warriors. We're ready for battle. We serve a God who designs the plan. He takes care of all the obstacles Himself so that we can continue His work. And at the same time, He gives us weapons so that we can do battle. Like the Jews, along the wall, in one hand we have a tool to serve. And in the other we have the weapons of war. And verse 18 tells us each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. And Nehemiah had a trumpeter beside him at all times to blast the horn and warn the people at a moment's notice in case of an attack. They were supposed to gather wherever the attack came and everyone had a role in the working and a role in the fighting. They were ready to fight the enemies. We also have a trumpet call. God has already given us a trumpet call. Paul tells Timothy to be ready in season and out of season. Be ready at all times. We are to be ready to share the Word of Christ, to give the right doctrines and teachings of Scripture, to correct and restore and to encourage one another. This weapon of war that we hold in our hand is the same tool that we use to build. It's the same tool to work and to serve. It's the Word of God. Part of the armor of God that we put on as we get ready for battle with all the other armor that Paul mentions, we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, he says. Do you know how to use the Word of God, not only as a building tool, do you know how to use the Word of God as a weapon? How are you battling sin? Do you have the right weapon to battle your own sin? How are you doing it? We take to the offense against the powers of darkness in our own sin by immersing ourselves in the Scriptures and training for battle. Not just coming Sunday and reading little snippets of it. This is a tool that we have at all times. We're going to see in a few moments that Nehemiah and others slept with their weapons with them all night. Their weapons were with them. And where's your weapon? From Sunday to Sunday, are you sleeping with your weapon? Do you have the Word of God? Is it that close to you that you're ready to battle? We train in godliness with what we learn from the Scriptures. And as we train, the Holy Spirit makes our weapon powerful to fight the enemy and to fight our own sin. The the cause of Christ is furthered. New territory is taken by wielding the sword and sharing the truth. 
by faithfully speaking the true gospel message from the Word of God, those who are trapped by the enemy are then liberated and they're freed. We are strengthened and we become battle-hardened, ready for the fight. Always at the ready. I mentioned just a minute ago, Nehemiah and the other workers joined together in being on guard. They slept with their clothes on, ready to defend themselves at any time. It was a dangerous time. But they were prepared for what was to come. They were ready, but notice what's said at the end of verse 20. God's people, we are workers and we are warriors. We battle and we build. But verse 20 says, our God will fight for us. Nehemiah was not saying that all that battle gear and all the preparation and all the guarding was unnecessary. Never in the Scriptures is God's sovereignty, is His infinite power licensed for stepping back and taking it easy. It's always the opposite. It's always the opposite. Because God has the sovereign power because it's His plan and His fight, because He's in the fight, we know that He's working on our behalf. And what He tells us to do, we can go forth without fear and accomplish it. He's fighting for our good. God assures His people of victory. He provides whatever's necessary to finish the work. And He's even in the midst of the battle. He's leading and He's slaying the enemy. Whatever enemy is facing you, whether it be your own sin, maybe it's demonic powers, maybe it's the ways of this world, God is fighting for you. He's there slaying the enemy. With all His people. We can trust that God will fight for us. It's like when the Israelites were facing insurmountable odds at the Red Sea. right? Nehemiah is not the only example. There's one earlier in the book of Exodus. When they had left Egypt and the Israelites saw Pharaoh and his army approaching, they started whining and complaining and being overcome by fear, Moses says to them, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord which He will work for you today. And he says, The Lord will fight for you. God is always there fighting for us. God will give us the same resolve and the same grace to overcome obstacles and opposition that hinders our work. He will make us diligent if we trust Him. If we put our faith in Him. In those times when we feel like we're surrounded, we need not be afraid because God will fight for us. Our faith in Him will beat back all the enemies that come against our Lord because our sovereign God is great. Our God is awesome. We need to stand firm and be ready and continue in the work. Now in faith, we can resolve to do this, but how do we actually do it today? We don't actually take a trowel and a sword or the Bible at all times. So how do we actually do it? Well, we have to spend regular time in God's Word every day, praying for insight and the will to obey what He says. 
We need to ask God to give us the heart to commit to Him and stay attentive to the battle. We don't have to carry around the Bible all day long. We have to carry it in our hearts. We need God to reveal our sin and our need for grace and that Christ is our only salvation. Workers and warriors know their role and they know the instruments they need. You and I have to understand our role and be fully mindful of how important being in God's Word every day is. Don't be caught without the instruments that you need to serve and to fight. You see, everything else that you and I do, everything else that's on your agenda, everything else that's in this coming week, it doesn't compare to this being in God's Word. Raising our kids, working to pay bills, being a good neighbor, helping others, all that falls second to you being in God's Word. So where does it rank for you? Is it your priority to be in God's Word? We have to realize that God has called us to an important work and the battle is at hand and we have to be ready and we have to be prepared. Being in the Word does not mean just gaining knowledge. There are all kinds of people who know the Bible and they have all this head knowledge of the Bible and they are familiar with the stories and the storyline of it. But we're not talking about being smart with the Bible. No, be in the Word to see the glory of God in Christ Jesus. The Scriptures all point to the beauty and to the glory of Jesus Christ. Seeing Him puts everything else in right perspective. Everything else on your schedule will then fall into place and where it should if you and I take the time to first be in God's Word, to spend time with God, seeing more of Him, seeing what's important to Him, And then it becomes important to us and everything else then falls in line. It's only by being in God's Word that we will be ready to fight together. It's only by being in God's Word that we gain the right perspective. We all need to be in the Word for the cause of Christ and continue in the work of making Christ known. It's all for Christ and it's by Him and it's to Him that we do this work. Let's pray.